Today we are continuing our series called Rhythms of Grace, where we've been learning that the average American's just going way, way too fast, aren't we? We're trying to cram too much stuff into too little amount of time. We are super, super impatient people. You, you get to a red light, and you're like, oh man, a red light! And then as soon as the light turns green, if the car in front of you doesn't like move immediately or on the horn, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. We want our food to be fast. We want our shipping to be same day. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I would take some pictures on my little camera and then you had to like take it to the store and drop it off and it had to be developed over a couple day period. And then sometimes after you got your pictures back, it could be like, days or weeks or even months before you saw family members and friends that you actually wanted to show these pictures to. Nowadays, you just pull out your phone, you take a picture, and you actually put it onto a thing called Instagram. I mean, it's right in the name of what we want. We want things done, and we want them done right now. We have become obsessed with this thing that we think that faster must mean better. Sometimes faster is better. But oftentimes we get going so fast that we get ahead of Jesus. Things are just not the way that he would have for us to be going, the the pace that we would have for us to be. And so we've been looking throughout this series that now, you know, doctors have coined this new phrase called hurry sickness, that literally we're making ourselves sick with worry and anxiety because we just can't keep up with the pace that we're trying to go. Again, God has a different pace for us. He's designed us in a different way. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, look at this. Solomon writes, Desire without knowledge is not good. And one who moves too hurriedly misses the what? Misses the, misses the way. You know, Jesus at one point, He said that I am the way. And so if you, you look at that again, it basically it's saying that if you get in too much of a hurry, you're missing Jesus. You're actually out ahead of Jesus. You sort of left him in the dust. We can't live our lives that way. Thankfully for us, he he gives us a, a, a better way, a slower pace to go about life. And so what I want to do today is I want to just look at some of the examples of Jesus doing this very thing. I want to unpack how did Jesus live his life? And I want to see if there's some ways that we can apply it to our lives. As well. So if you're taking notes here today, the first thing is this. Number one, wherever I'm at, I must be there. We've talked about it throughout the series. Jesus was never in a rush. He was never in a hurry. He was never ever frantic. No, he is always living in the moment. Wherever he was at, he was there. Whether it was healing a leper or casting out a demon out of someone, or or at a meal at somebody's house that he had just invited himself over to sort of unexpectedly. He was always right there in the moment. We need to learn to do the exact same thing. But yet, oftentimes, that's not how we live. Oftentimes, we're in a hurry. We have a hard time focusing on the people that are around us. Even when we're there, we're not actually there. And even if, the reason for not being there is because we're in a hurry to do something else. We've allowed other things to become distractions to us. We, we've talked about our phone throughout the series. TV is another thing. That you're in a room, but yet you're staring at another screen. 
We just have all these, these things that distract us. Sometimes it's other people in the room. We're supposed to be having a conversation with this person, but we're like looking around like, who else can I have a conversation with? <laughs> Who's more important, right? And that person's going, uh, hello, I'm standing right here. We're supposed to be talking to each other. And so we allow all these things to distract us and, and keep us from the, the meaningful conversations that God would want us to have with the people that are right there with us. You know, oftentimes we think that, well, I've got to be busy. I've got to keep going. Because if I'm busy, people are going to recognize me as being someone that's always busy. Look at them. They're always on the go. And I'll be recognized for that. And if I'm more and more recognized, that means people are going to think, I'm successful. Yes, that's it. Look at me. I'm successful. Look how busy I am. Many of you have heard this saying before. It says, be careful about climbing the ladder of success because you may get to the top and realize that the ladder's been leaning against the wrong wall the whole time. Listen, you and I are supposed to be becoming more and more like Jesus. And if you get to the, the top of the ladder of success, success, but you haven't been doing things Jesus' way, then have you really been successful at all? And the answer is no. Answer is no. And so we've got to learn from him. He was always living in the moment. When we don't, life is just going to go by in a blur and we're going to miss out on the deep relationships and the meaningful conversations and the acts of service that we can do to help those that are around us. Wherever you're at, be there. If your mind is even in a hurry, that would be a, a preoccupied mind. You're always thinking about the, the next thing that's on your to-do list that you need to do. But you're missing out on that relationship with the people that are right there, your spouse, your kids, your family members, your, your friends. We can't do that. We've got to slow down. We've got to learn to be there. We've got to learn to appreciate each and every moment that we've been given. So again, number one, wherever I'm at, I must be there. Number two, I must slow down because everyone I meet has a story to tell. If you want to be more and more like Jesus, you've got to learn to slow down and appreciate the people that are there. And the easiest way that you can do that is just ask questions. Just ask a bunch of questions. Did you know that Jesus asked 307 questions in the Gospels? He, he was constantly... Just asking questions. And we can be the exact same way. Just ask people a bunch of questions. Things like, where are you from? What do you do for a living? Have you lived in this area your whole life? Oh, you haven't? Where's, where's your family at? Or maybe they say that they have lived in this area. Do you still have family here in the area? You, you just ask questions. Because when you ask people questions, guess what? They get to talk about their favorite subject in the whole world. Themselves. People love to talk about themselves. And when you get people talking about themselves, they feel important. You're making people feel important. That, oh, somebody actually cares about me. Somebody's interested in me. And Jesus was a master at this of just asking questions, talking to people, getting into deep conversations with them. So you can do the same thing because everybody has a story to tell. Whether it's the waiter at the restaurant, the bank teller, the delivery person, whoever it is, 
Get them talking. But oftentimes we're in such a hurry trying to advance our own story that we forget that everybody else has a story to tell. And we miss out on what God may want to do. Because here's the cool thing. See, if you'll slow down and you'll learn to ask people questions, oftentimes what God has done is He has orchestrated that very moment for you to have crossed paths with that person. It's a divine moment. And what's going to happen is their story and your story and his story are all going to intersect and you're going to be able to, to have a significant impact in their life in some way. But we miss all these divine encounters because we're in a hurry to go do our thing. And we don't slow down to appreciate each and every person that God has us cross paths with. So I really want to encourage you, slow down. Talk to people. Ask them questions. Get to know them. Because you never know what may happen. There's a great example of this. In John chapter 4, Jesus is going to have a conversation with a, a Samaritan woman. And what had happened, Jesus and the disciples, they had been traveling all day. They had been doing ministry. And Jesus says, all right, guys, uh, let's, just, let's just take a break here. Let's slow down a little bit. Why don't you guys go on into town, get some lunch. I'm just going to hang out here. Just going to decompress for a little bit. And as Jesus is standing there, he's, he's at a well. The Samaritan woman comes in. And Jesus decides he's going to start to, to talk to her and have a conversation with her, ask her some questions. There's two things about this story that is sort of odd if you know the, the context of that day and time. Number one, the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. So this woman's a Samaritan. Jesus is Jewish. They're supposed to hate each other. They're not supposed to be talking to each other. But yeah, Jesus is going to do it anyway. And the other thing is, in that day and time, uh, a man and a woman, they wouldn't be caught dead talking to each other alone. They're, they're not married. But yeah, Jesus is going to buck all the trends here. He's going to have a conversation with this woman. We, we read it then in John chapter 4, verses 7 to 9. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw out water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? So he asked the question, right? Hey, will you give me a drink? He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, as the story continues on, Jesus is going to continue to to ask her more and more questions. And he's going to begin to challenge her spiritually. What's so fascinating about this story is, as the story goes on, she goes from at first seeing Jesus just as a man. And then she sees him as a Jewish man. And then a little bit later, she sees him as a prophet of God. And by the time the story is done, she goes back in her own village and she says to everybody there, you need to come out to the well because I have found the Savior of the world. All because Jesus stopped and he asked a couple questions. He had a conversation and it went from, this is somebody that I'm supposed to hate to, oh my goodness, this guy is the Savior of the world. And as John concludes the story then, he says many of the Samaritans came out and gave their lives to Jesus. 
all because Jesus slowed down. And he took the time to interact with somebody, ask some questions, get to know their story a little bit, and their life was changed. Again, it's the same way for you. You never know what asking some questions may do for somebody. I mean, really what happened here is Jesus was able to, to win her into a relationship with her. We, we call that evangelism, right? Many of you freak out when you hear the word evangelism. I can't share my faith. But what did I say happened here and that you could do? You see, oftentimes evangelism isn't about you talking. Oftentimes evangelism is you listening. Listening to somebody's story. That I hear you. I, I see you. I, I, I know what's going on. And as they share their story, all of a sudden now, God's going to say, okay, here's how their story and your story and my story all intersect. You can share a little bit to lead them towards me. Again, you never, ever know what's going to happen if you'll just simply slow down and notice the people that are all around you. So again, number one was wherever I'm at, I must be there. Number two, I must slow down because everyone I have or everyone I meet has a story to tell. Then number three, I must see people the way Jesus does. Now, I've got to be honest with you, and I don't know if I've ever said this in, a, in an actual message. I have been like chomping at the bit all week long to share this point with you. I'm like, Sunday cannot get here soon enough. I don't want to put pressure on myself. I don't want to like have undue expectations. But what we're about to look at here is one of the most amazing things you're ever going to see in Scripture. And I hope you get, oh man, I've been praying that you get this point here. Again, I must see people the way that Jesus does. As you read through the Gospels, over and over and over again, Jesus is stopping to have these conversations with people, and it's almost as if though he's going, I see you. I see you. I see you. But not in like a, a creepy way of, oh, God's watching me type of thing, right? No, what, what Jesus is constantly doing is, I see you. I, I see your pain. I see your hurt. I see your past. I know the things that you have been through, and I care for you. I see you. I see you. And oftentimes, Jesus will stop and do this with people in times when Jesus should be in a rush. He should be in a hurry to, to get somewhere. But yet, he'll just stop everything. The journey that he was on, he'll just stop, and he's like, I I see you. I see you. Great example of this in Mark chapter 5. There's a religious leader, his name is Jairus. And Jairus is going to come to Jesus with a very, very important request. We read it in Mark 5, 22 to 23. Jairus, the ruler of the local synagogue, approached Jesus and fell at his feet, fervently pleading, my little daughter. And by the way, we, we read in one of the other Gospels, this little girl was 12 years old. He says, my little daughter is about to die. She's not going to make it through the rest of the day. Please come touch her so that she will get well and live. Now, almost the next thing we would expect 
is that we read that, and then Jesus took off running towards Jairus' house because he knew that every single second counted. That he had to get there because a, a miracle was needed and it was needed to be done right here and right now. Urgently, Jesus went there. But as I shared with you throughout this whole series, we don't have one single instance in all the Gospels where Jesus ever ran. We don't even see Jesus taking like a little light jog anywhere. Jesus walked everywhere he went. He was never, ever in a hurry. Now, doesn't this sound like there should be a sense of urgency here? This little girl is about to die, and Jesus is going to have to get to Jairus' house. And it's a, a ways away. But Jesus isn't in a hurry. He just says to Jairus, okay. And then he takes off just this little casual stroll. Just strolling along. And, and there, there's a, a huge crowd of people all around Jesus. Everybody wants a, a piece of Jesus. And so he's just walking along and he's talking to people. He's answering their questions. I mean, everybody wants a, a piece of them. They're, they're, they're crowding in. So the, the disciples, they sort of form a circle around Jesus, almost like being bodyguards, right? They're sort of protecting him. He's still able to have conversations and everything, but they're sort of going along. Now, as this story continues, what we read is that there's somebody else in the crowd that needs Jesus. And so in, in verses 21 to, to 34, we, we read this whole story about that there's this woman that for 12 years, she has been bleeding, hemorrhaging, and it won't stop. She's been to the doctors, and the doctors say there's nothing we can do about it. And as the years have gone on, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse for her. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament law, this woman who was Jewish, those 613 commands. Some of the commands talked about women and, and bleeding. And the commands said that, all right, you can eat food, but you're not allowed to actually touch food and prepare food for other people. So this woman for 12 years hasn't been able to cook for herself or her family. She isn't allowed to touch her family, her kids, her, her spouse. She's not even allowed to do that. Because of this issue that she has with blood, she's not allowed to go into her local synagogue or the temple in Jerusalem and to worship God. For 12 years, she's been suffering. Not just physically, but imagine the mental and the emotional impact of being helpless like this. Not being able to do anything for yourself. Not being able to, to worship. She feels isolated. But then she hears this rumor that there's this, this new rabbi that's on the scene. And his name is Jesus. And that, that Jesus has healing power. And this rumor has spread that he may possibly be the Messiah, the Savior that we've been waiting on. And she thinks, you know what? If I could just get to Jesus, maybe, maybe, he could heal somebody like me. On this very day that Jairus has come to Jesus and said, my, my little daughter is about to die. Please come, come to my house as quickly as you possibly can. Jesus is just strolling along. But this woman hears rumor that Jesus is going to pass by 
her village. So she decides, you know what, I'm going to go out and, and see if he'll heal me. And she gets there and she's a little frustrated. The, the crowds are huge. So she starts like sort of weaving her way through the, the crowd. Excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. Trying to get closer and closer and closer. She shouldn't even be doing that. She shouldn't even be touching people. But she's desperate. She gets up closer to Jesus, but again, the disciples, they've sort of formed this circle around that there's no way that she's going to be able to get to Jesus. But then she remembers something that she had been taught. You see, it was in the Old Testament, the, the prophecies about the coming Messiah said that he would have healing power in his wings. Going, what in the world does that mean? Healing power in his wings. Well, I remember rabbis, they, they always wore a, a prayer shawl. And at the bottom, there was tassels. And so where they would sew it together, the, the hem there of, of putting these, these tassels on, that was called the kinoff. And kinoff is not only the, these tassels there, but kinoff is also translated as the word wings. Like for a bird, kinoff, wings. And so there was this speculation that the Messiah, when he came, would have healing power in his wings. He would have healing power in the kinoff, in, in the, the tassels, at the hem there of his garment. And so she knows she can't quite get to Jesus, but she sort of knifes an elbow through between two of these big burly fishermen. She reaches out and she touches Jesus. And instantly, she knows that she's been healed. Instantly, she knows it. Again, I want you to imagine the, the joy that this woman has. That physically she can feel it, but then mentally and emotionally, she knows she's going to be able to get back with her family, get back with her church community. Instantly, she knows that life has changed for her. Somebody else knew that something had happened, though, as well. Look at Mark 5, 30-31. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. And so he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at all these people crowd around you. How can you ask who touched me? But Jesus knew this wasn't just like an accidental bump. This was an intentional touch of somebody who needed him. So Jesus sort of looking around. Looking around. And finally he spots her. And he locks eyes with her. I see you. She falls to the ground in fear. But Jesus hadn't done that with an I see you in a condemning way. Jesus was doing this of, I see you because I see your hurt. I see your pain. I, I see your past. And I want to know your story. I want to know your story. So he says to her, tell me, what, what's going on? She shares this story. She says, I, I got to the point where I realized if I could just touch the hem of your garment, I would be healed. And he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. 
What an amazing story. In fact, the, the crowds are amazed. Not just at the words of Jesus, but these miracles that He's able to perform and do. I mean, everybody in the crowd is so excited about what has just happened except for one person. Who is it? Who's not excited about it? Jairus. He isn't excited. Why? Because his little daughter is about to die if Jesus doesn't get there in a hurry. As Jesus has stopped to, to have this conversation with this woman, Jairus is going, oh, Jesus, come on, hurry up. Time's a-ticking, time's a-wasting. We, we've got to get here. We've, we've, we've got to go to my daughter. And then what we read next is absolutely heartbreaking. Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some messengers came from Jairus' home and told him, your daughter has died. Why trouble this rabbi anymore? Put yourself in the sandals of Jairus here. The immediate reaction that you have is sadness. Your daughter is dead. But then probably just as quickly, anger. Anger at Jesus. Why did he stop and listen to this woman's agonizingly long, excruciating testimony? If he hadn't stopped, my daughter would probably still be alive. Jesus senses that Jairus is feeling this. And he looks at him and he says, don't fear, just believe. And then Jesus continues on walking towards Jairus' house. Now when they get there, there is a crowd of people outside. They're, they're weeping and then they're wailing. And Jesus says, stop. Stop crying. Why, why are you crying? She's just simply asleep. And they're looking at her like, this guy's an idiot. She's not asleep. Dude, we went in, we checked her pulse. She's dead. We checked. She is not breathing at all. In fact, she's already turned blue. She is dead and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. But then we read in verses 40-42, to 42, Jesus took the child's father and mother and His own companions and He went in to see the child. And taking her by the hand, Jesus said, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately, the girl got up and began to walk around. And now we begin to realize why Jesus took the time to stop and talk with this woman who had the issue of bleeding. You see, it doesn't matter when Jesus shows up. It doesn't matter when Jesus arrives. Jesus isn't really is concerned with the destination as He is with the journey of getting there. The important thing is that Jesus will arrive. And He had said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just simply believe. Will you have the faith to do that? Will you have the faith to not fear and simply believe that Jesus' timing is better than your own timing. 
See, if, if Jesus would have done what Jairus had wanted, which was as soon as Jairus told Jesus that my little daughter is about to die, and, and Jesus would have taken off and, and run, number one, he would have missed having this interaction with the woman. And then number two, he would have gotten there and he would have healed her before she even died. They already knew Jesus could heal people. Jesus wanted to make sure that everything that was part of God's will could be done in that situation. That, oh, this woman's going to be healed. And, oh, I'm going to show the crowds that I can actually raise the dead. You and I, we get so frantic, so hurried. We don't trust the timing of God. And so we get ahead of Him. We run ahead. we got to stop doing that. His timing is perfect. See, when you and I, we, we run ahead, we miss out on opportunities to serve people because we're in such a hurry. You know, I, I've got places to go and people to see and, and things to do. But you're missing out on those opportunities to serve people in the same way that, that Jesus served here. So we've got to be like Jesus and slow down and see the people around us. I see your pain. I see your hurt. I see your past. And I care. You matter. You matter to God. You matter to me as well. So let me ask you, is that you or not? Are you just constantly in a rush, in a hurry? As a quick little side note, one of the things I found interesting about this particular story was the two issues that these women had to deal with. One was an issue of blood, and the other was death. The next time that Jesus would encounter blood and death in the same story, it'd be his own blood and his own death. And so in the story that, that we read here, Jesus wasn't just solving a, a present problem. He was pointing forward to a future solution. That if you don't fear, if you believe, if you trust in Jesus, His shed blood on the cross, and His resurrection from the dead, that we'll be saved that we can have eternal life with Him forever in heaven and an abundant life right here and right now. We've got to swallow our pride and believe. And once we're in a relationship with Jesus, the goal is to become more and more like Him. To learn to slow down. Be like Him so that you can have those meaningful conversations, so that you can see the needs of the people that are around you and actually do something about it. But you know what we do? We're, we're constantly in a rush. We're constantly in a hurry. We're getting ahead of Jesus. Jesus is, is behind. I want you to think about that. If you're actually ahead of Jesus, you're in uncharted territory. No wonder we have worry and anxiety and stress all the time. We've gotten ahead of Him. So we need to slow down and walk with Him and allow His Spirit to point out, hey, here's somebody you need to talk to right now. Here's somebody that needs to be served right now, and you're the person to do it.
But you've got to be very, very intentional about this. Intentional about slowing down each and every day. Noticing people. Showing them then the same love and grace and mercy and compassion that Jesus gave to you. So here's my challenge for you. Every day this week, I want you to do something that intentionally slows you down. It can be whatever you want, but just something that you know that, okay, the reason I'm doing this activity right now is so that it just slows me down. Maybe it's you go out and you take a walk. Maybe you're not a, a big reader. So maybe you're going to pull out a book. And just say, you know what, I'm just going to read. It's, it's slowing me down. Maybe for you, the way you're going to slow down this week is every day you're going to decide, I'm going to be home by, and you've got to pick the time, but, you know, 6 o'clock. I don't care what's still at work to be done. I don't care how much is still piled up on the desk. Every day this week, I'm going to be home by 6 because I'm intentionally just slowing things down and I'm going to trust. I'm not going to fear. I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe that Jesus is in control. Maybe for you, it's obeying the speed limit all week long. I mean, literally slowing down all week long, going, you know what? I'm just going to drive the speed limit. I'm not going to get upset when I, like, the light turns red. I'm not going to get upset when the car in front of me doesn't go as soon as it turns green. Just you're intentionally slowing yourself down. Whatever it is, make sure you do something. Slow yourself down. And then make sure that you keep that spiritual antenna up. As you're slowing down, just make sure that you're like asking God, all right, who around me here do I need to talk to? Or if you're doing an activity that you are by yourself, that as you're doing that thing, you're intentionally slowing down, you're praying, and you're asking the Holy Spirit, all right, who is it that I'm supposed to be serving? Slow yourself down. Can you do that? Again, I don't care what you do. This is between you and God. But just every day, something to intentionally slow yourself down. All right, I'm going to wrap up then today with our theme, a uh, couple verses that we've been looking at throughout the whole series. And I've done this in, in multiple ways throughout the, the series. I've had you close your eyes. I've, I've had you do all kinds of things. Actually, I want you to read it with me today. All right, it's found in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 30. I encourage you to, to memorize this in the translation of your choice. We're going to read it today from the message paraphrase, but let's all read it together. Ready? Here we go. Are you tired? Let me hear you. Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for just these amazing examples from the Gospels of how Your Son Jesus intentionally slowed down just notice the people that was around him. 
I see you. I see you. Even though Jesus didn't necessarily say that just with his, with his words and his actions, that's what he was demonstrating. I see you and I care about you and I want to do something for you. Lord, help us to become like that. To become more like your son Jesus. To notice the people all around us. Just start to ask some questions. To get in the conversations with people. Show an interest in them. And then allow your Spirit to speak to our hearts of, okay, how now do I, I use this in a way that's going to benefit the kingdom of God? Lord, we can't do that when we're always running and in a hurry and frantic. Help us to slow down and walk the speed of Jesus. Jesus, thank You for this amazing example of this woman who had the issue of blood and Jairus' daughter. That You arrived exactly on time where You needed to be and when You needed to be there. Help us to trust You to do the same for our lives. To slow down and know that Your timing is perfect. And that when we're in a hurry, we miss the way. When we're in a hurry, we miss You, Jesus. We don't want to miss You. Help us not to get ahead of You. Help us to walk beside You. Because we know that there is power and You're right there in our midst. Thank You again, Jesus, for Your shed blood on the cross that saves us forever and ever and ever and gives us the power to help people right here and right now. Thank you again. It's in your name that we pray.